0: you sound insane Do you realize that oh, yeah the whole world got crazy is seriously serious it's
1: showtime so for the second time officially on the show and the 5 years of the show We're talking about Cloverfield, but it might not be the last. In fact, we might be talking about Cloverfield again tomorrow. We really don't know at this point.
2: (laughs) Really? It's honestly no Everything is Cloverfield. It's actually Black Panther Cloverfield. Just so you guys know, they just announced that.
1: (laughs) You follow at Cloverfield uh, official on Twitter. It's just like,
2: we're releasing a Cloverfield
1: on every second for the next four and a half weeks. It's a new strategy we've come up with, and it's groundbreaking. I'm excited to talk about this because this series, franchise, whatever you want to call it, that uh, has attempted to be sprung up over the past 10 years now um, has a mind of its own, really. Uh, And I am excited to talk about what the heck is going on with Cloverfield (laughs) tonight on the show. Very exciting. Um, We have a bonus episode for VIPs. In the can that we will be releasing Talking Phantom Thread with producer Steven, our great, great producer who (laughs) slaves blood, sweat, and tears, puts every hour he has in his life on this show on a daily and weekly basis. Thank you. So we're only giving him the audience of the VIPs. uh, Small steps, baby
0: steps. I told Kent, and I said on that episode, but I'll say it here. And definitely check that episode out if you're a VIP or sign up for VIP for as little as $1 a week um, for the VIP feed. But uh, Kent, or Brian, rather, I I told, you know, a lot of people picture producer Steven as like more of a kind of a Phil Spector, you know, really (laughs) navigating our sound. But really, I was like, Kent does that. You know, he really is the engineering producer. Um, Steven is a producer more in the Suge Knight sense. You know, (laughs) he's really, he's kind of. He's our enforcer, essentially. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, he, pr- he, he produces us in in that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, multiple murder raps at this Allegations. point for Steven. Allegations. Yeah, yeah. no charges. Nothing, nothing concrete. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Man, it's, remember when we
2: used to have a fourth host? R.I.P.
1: Yeah, it, he's the kind of the Pete best of the Mad About Movies <laughs> podcast.
0: Rest in peace, Norm. It's better for him. <laughs> that
1: We don't mention Norm ever again.
0: But, yeah, uh, he was you know a good what? guy, and this is you a miss up widescreen. You mess up widescreen and 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 panoramic, and Stephen's not going to stand for that. Exactly. We got, we got, what is we got this? A Transformers? Dude. Come on! <laughs> you may
1: yeah? You, you don't know what anamorphic is? You're off this thing, <laughs> uh, man. Stephen, did, he didn't he didn't put put up with anything though, and that's what makes yeah. him great. That's what makes.
0: Well, we're we're nice guys, and we don't like conflict. Um, <laughs> but Stephen doesn't mind it. You know, he brings it. That was a very. We, fun that's, why talk gets, with him. that's why he gets. That's why he gets ninety percent of our money. <laughs> yeah, we can't bring it up ever. Like we we won't do it. It's yeah,
2: it. it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's cool. Take what you want.
0: He is. He's
1: kind of. He's kind of worth it behind the scenes. <laughs> that was a fun talk, and that is available on the VIP feed, Mad slash VIP. Sign up by. By the way, and, people uh, think. The never by the way,
0: we're. By the way, we're talking that he's not real. He is a real person. There really is a producer <laughs> Steven, on that episode. So so check that out.
1: Yes, he is a a really really fun person to be around. Okay, so we have one bit of movie news I want to hit, um, and we have American Treasures coming up here very soon. Yay! Yes, yeah, always good to talk and reflect on American Treasures. For the new listener out there, you're gonna maybe want to stick around for weekly recommends at the end because mm. that is a signature of our show, and tonight, it's especially special. Okay. Well, um, one movie news bit that I wanted to mention. uh, We talked Paul Thomas Anderson when we talked Phantom Thread, and uh, we talked about this actor in that episode, uh, and we didn't really mention this, and this got me thinking of it. I wanted to bring it up for the main feed and for you, Brian, uh, when you were joining us, is uh, there's a rumor out there that uh, one of Paul Thomas Anderson's favorite actors is going to be involved in a big franchise in a big way. And uh, Mm. the rumor, rumbling, I should say, uh, patent pending rumbling, is Joaquin Phoenix possibly circling the role of, the coveted role, the, um, I guess I can say iconic role at this point, Mm -hmm. of... The Joker. Piss Jar. Oh, the oh, Joker. Jar. Close. It was the piss Mary, jar. Same universe. Same universe. <laughs> same MCU. I mean, same uh, DCU. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> that was close. Well, oddly close. We- weirdly close. Uh, the Joker. Um, Joaquin Phoenix. My gut says stay away, but my... Hart says Joaquin Phoenix can do this awesome, and I want to see what this could be. So it's, yeah. uh, it's tough for me. It's really, this- I don't know where I fall.
2: But yeah, this story broke because he's been seen at multiple hot topics over the last few weeks. So it's just somebody finally put two and two together, and, yeah. uh, and we've got he's
0: either playing days days. the Joker or <laughs> Peter Griffin in a live-action Family Guy. No one yeah. knows. It's one of those yeah. two things for yeah. sure.
2: The My Chemical Romance biopic. I think final.
0: they're yeah. I, I think they're they're rebooting Nightmare Before
1: Christmas or something. Jack Skellington <laughs> is going to be. Why is that
0: still a? Th- so much merch out there for that movie still why why is it why is that a thing still unpopular opinion alert don't get it never got it never did did really aggressively don't get the corpse bride I think that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen but even Nightmare Before Christmas aggressively don't get it it's fine it's fine wow come at me 14 year old emo girls (laughs) but not too close because I have multiple restraining (laughs) orders
1: It's very, very odd. Some of the things that are that are popular in, in that scene. Still, uh, that's one of them. Yeah. Do they
0: have an online store? Because I'm about to hit that up and see what's hitting it on hot topic. Let's see. get a new
1: trench coat. I haven't.
0: Got some chain <laughs> chain wallet. Uh, man. Feeling like a freak on a leash tonight. Okay, a lot of Rick and Morty seems to be. Yeah. Oh, Black Panther. Didn't a lot see? of Funko pops.
1: That's the hot topic. <laughs> yeah. thing, Is oh, the is, is the Funko yeah. pop shop? That's what they've become. Great radio here on See Hot it's Topic Podcast. <laughs> the good, it's Hot good. Topic Podcast.
2: Mad about Hot Topic. Oh my gosh. Every okay, time.
0: hold on. The top... Thing- <laughs> You're not going to believe this. Okay, I just went to HotTopic.com and I picked um, the girls tees, like t-shirts. Um, so here are the top four Literally, when you click when you go to Hottopic.com, you click girls and you hit t-shirts. Okay, so it just pulls up a ton of stuff. There's twelve hundred and forty-seven results. But the top sellers and slash new arrivals, number one is something called Dang and Ronpa, which I'm sure is some kind of manga thing that I don't know about. So okay, cool. That's probably hip and whatever. Number two is Back to the Future Time Machine, Girls T-shirt. Okay, retro, something else. I'm not kidding about this. I will screenshot it to you guys.
1: Can we Can three, you give me a
0: hint? It's a band.
1: A band. Okay. Post 2000.
0: <laughs> barely, but yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: barely. Uh, boy band. No. Uh, rock and roll band. Yes. 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 Um. Ooh. Post 2000 rock. Is it pre two thousand five?
0: Right around there, equal to. You named it earlier. I'm gonna go with Lincoln Park, Richard. Nope. So number oh, one, gosh. number one item right now is Dang and Ropa. Okay. Number two, Back to the Future. Number three, in February of 2018, <laughs> is the My Chemical Romance skeleton soldier. Oh, girl's yes, soldier. <laughs> got him. <'em>. Not kidding. <gasps> you, Brett, thought it was a joke, Kent, and that's actually <laughs> on there. And wow. number four is the Nightmare Before Christmas high neck <laughs> embroidered girls top. Jeez. Wow.
1: <laughs> I, I nailed that one. Wow. Um, not to belittle anyone. I'm sending you guys this great uh But uh, yes, to joke. By the way, Hot Topic, we're panic. open
0: to a sponsorship. <laughs> um, exactly. We don't want to. Love, love to sell our worry. MAM tees in your, in your fine uh, establishment. So yeah no that's so funny that fallout boys on here um there's a dw t-shirt is that from, from arthur? arthur wow then there's a then, then there's another bichemical chemical romance thank you for venom girls tank top like really mm.
1: i guess they're uh, nostalgic uh, now man they're like a classic rock i band guess that's there, true right? that's
0: like that's like this generation's version of like, wearing, like acdc cure, yeah like wearing the cure t-shirts exactly
1: mm. Wow. Exactly. Cool. But, oh, I'm um, gonna jump off
0: so, <laughs> will we see Joaquin
1: Phoenix's face <laughs> on a Joker Hot Topics t shirt anytime soon? My question is, what connection, Brian? Maybe you can enlighten us mm. on Ooh. this. What what connection does this have to the current? Tell DC Brian's looking and, at the picture. Or the, the Snyderverse, <laughs> uh, Brian. Yeah.
2: I'm not, I think this is the, see, here's what's very stupid and confusing. Well, there are many things very stupid and confusing about Warner Brothers slash DC. There are, currently two joker movies in the works there's a there's a joker slash harley quinn movie and then this joker origin story and i i can't i honestly can't tell you maybe our listeners can can tell us the difference or who which is which i know todd phillips is directing this one um i i don't i don't love that i i'm not i'm not super enthusiastic about Todd Phillips directing a a DC movie that doesn't that doesn't super do it for me. Joaquin as as the Joker that's really interesting. It sounds I mean that's been rumored and circulated seems like a bunch over the the last decade or so. I I mean I I'm not going to speak for you guys, but for me it still remains the same. Like my stance on on Warner Brothers DC remains. You got you got to do three movies in a row that are good, and then then I'll start. Getting excited about your properties because, like on paper, Walking Dead is a Joker. Just do three. Yeah, out five. you got to You got you to gotta show me some kind of track record of not abysmal. Because since Nolan, we've had you know, look, Batman v Superman is truthfully maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Suicide Squad is is not much better. Justice League was was such a male in and terrible wonder woman's very good but it that's that's one out of four am i missing any i can't think of any others in there and and then that's not taking into account man of steel oh yeah man of steel man of steel is bad too so we're we're one for five and and those four of those five like they're ultra bad movies they're historically epically iconically bad movies in some cases and i'm not enthused about aquaman i don't like the direction that's that's going looks looks pretty rough to me and flash at some point we just got to set this thing on fire and pretend like it never happened i mean it's just it's it's kind of a disaster so on paper joaquin as a joker sounds cool and i guess i could you could find a way to convince me that it's it's kind of outside the box thinking to have todd phillips direct i'm not i'm not a todd phillips guy but I, i guess you could you could make a case for that being an interesting move but it still is coming out of this diseased (laughs) branch of of a studio that i i just i don't know there's no trust there for me and and it's i i don't see anything coming around the corner to to change that so as always i'm i'm holding i'm not i'm gonna be sitting back just saying i expect this to be bad and then if it's not i'll be pleasantly surprised that's how that's the stance that i have to take with all warner brothers dc movies now here's
1: here's my vote on what they should do keep the suicide Squad thing going uh have established kind of a a suicide squad trilogy or franchise or whatever you want to do there it can be the this new harley movie you could do suicide squad 2 you can do a dead shot movie do that in its own thing don't ever don't cross that over any more than you already have with the uh snyder uh, completely stop the Snyderverse forever stop doing yeah. that um Make Wonder Woman 2. That's fine. Great. Uh, Maybe make Wonder Woman 3. That'd be cool, too. People might like to see that. Um, Also, uh, you reboot Batman with this, quote-unquote, the Batman that we're going to see eventually. And then you do this Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. And then you've completely rebooted Batman and the Joker and a new uh, DCU. And you've got Wonder Woman there with a trilogy that's established. That's great. That you can always bring her back into the fold. And then uh, you can always bring other characters in too, but I just think that you need to reboot and kind of blow this thing up, and then you can bring Henry Cavill back five movies down the line now as Superman. (laughs) You can be like, oh, Superman's here, and in a dramatic, epic moment or something. Uh, I just don't think that on the path they're going, it's going to work. I think there's elements of what they do that works. You can still keep those intact. Maybe... Do a Netflix t- thing uh, with Suicide Squad 2, you know, put that on there and keep that going mm. and have that fan base, make them happy. Uh, the Hot Topic crowd of the Jared Leto, Margot Robbie lovers out there can can have the, Ugh, that movie, gosh. but you can also make a good Batman movie and a good Joker movie and have it all work. But I just think where mm. it really gets in the way is the Snyderverse. I just don't think there's any room for that anymore, and no mm. one cares on top of it. So um, yeah. no one, no one would be upset. In fact... If the, if Warner Brothers tweeted tomorrow, uh, we've decided to not make Justice League or any of the current DC movies except for Wonder Woman two. It would have five hundred thousand retweets and it would all be positive <laughs> uh, feedback. I guarantee you, there's no nothing negative that anyone would say about that uh, happening. So that's mm. not good. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Just just to clarify,
2: Richard, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts. Here, but the <laughs> the uh, Joker Margot Robbie movie is is uh it will star Jared Leto and uh and Margot Robbie and it's being directed by the guys of uh from Crazy Stupid Love uh Ficarra and, and Requa. So that's mm-hmm. that is also part of what we're we're dealing with here and I I just
0: So yeah, those remember. two things cannot exist simultaneously. <laughs> right. You can't. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, look. So the idea of casting Joaquin. I I'm on the record big Joaquin guy. He's probably my favorite. American actor, I think he's probably, if he's not the best current American actor, he's certainly in the conversation. If you say that he's the best, you're not laughed out of the room, right? He's, he's really, sure. really good, and especially uh, the last few years, and, and really interesting, um, and, and, and kind of idiosyncratic enough to be, I think, kind of a cool choice in a vacuum for the Joker. Uh, right. But yes. if I'm advising him, I'm like, run away from this. Okay, number one, their whole WBDC situation. The fact that they've messed this up several times and also are currently developing another movie with the same character Mm -hmm. is multiple red flags. Um, Number two, look, we all love the Joker. It's a cool character, but good Lord. Like, how many Jokers... um, Heath Ledger Mm -hmm. was great. You know, it's kind of the... uh, You know, Michael Scott owns what that's, that's what she said. He owns it. Okay. You know, the Liz (laughs) Lemon thing. It's, it's like Heath Ledger is the Joker, at least for, can we give him 20 years to just be the Joker before we, uh, can we go another 10 maybe before we start trying to do it again? It's just, it's just, there's stuff you can do with animation and stuff. And I get it. It's a business and it's a lucrative character. But it's just, if I'm an actor, I'm staying away from that, man. I'm just not, I'm not touching it for, for a long time because it's just that that performance is so iconic and also kind of you know just tragic in a way and so why mm-hmm. um and then also the okay so you set out this kind of canary in a coal mine i've never heard that expression before but <laughs>
1: there,
0: there's this expression called a canary in a coal mine uh-huh. you set that out there with leto and it just like was a horrible fail so like i would just take i you know as 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 a joaquin super fan um I, I really hope that this this doesn't happen as much in a vacuum as i think it could be awesome but uh yeah i don't think please 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 don't happen i, I you know it it's so also it just seems to me it's either joaquin needs some cash or uh he's using this to get cash from someone someone else i i uh but oh, man rough i hope this doesn't happen I yeah and
2: and you can see why he would be attracted to that role. I think, like just the character, like right. that. I think that calls to what we know of Joaquin Phoenix. I think that fits, and yeah. it's, it's a it's an opportunity the, in some ways for him to like kind of break into mainstream films because a lot of what he does is super <laughs> out there and off putting, and not the what uh, him, though, regular people are going to see. You know,
0: his strength to me is he he you know he kind of has that sinister. You know, the gladiator, the mm-hmm. the kind of sinister thing. But I think he's at his best. And if he's going to make a mainstream play, it's like something off. He's so tender in a weird way and sweet. You know, when you watch her, you're like, gosh, I mean, this is an amazingly touching, sweet, mm-hmm. delicate mm-hmm. performance. I'd like to see him find something mainstream that's that Joaquin. Because I think everyone is weirded out and scared of him. And so if you can kind of play against type, which he did with her, obviously for a smaller mm-hmm. audience. But if he, I, you know, I think he'd be a really interesting in a, in a lot of mainstream movies. You know, he's always he's because he's a weird dude. You know, people know him as kind of a weird dude, and so he gets like he was he was circling Doctor Strange for a long time. He certainly, so certainly would have been be a sure. great uh, Hulk. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of weird tendency. Much better than Ruffalo because he could have yeah. played the Sweet Banner really well and been mm-hmm. really likable. But also yeah. really
1: aggressive when he needed to be. But too he's and not to sign up
0: for seven movies either. So right, because um, mm-hmm. he's got to go play Jesus or whatever. Whatever he's up <laughs> to. Um, so yeah, I just hope this this I I'd be so much more excited for him in Fast and the Furious than this. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's make that happen. Like wow,
1: wow. So. So I kind of hope it doesn't happen, but I if hope he needs money. better days again. Like I said, and uh, for that'd be a great way for them to get on the right track. Be for him to pull out a great performance, and to, for that to be a good movie it would could only do good things for them in terms of turning things around. So I hope I hope, I hope that happens eventually. Okay, let's now transition the conversation to American Treasure. Oh, yeah. So, the way this works is we have a little Hall of Fame that we uh, take a little bit too seriously, and uh, not too seriously, <laughs> on our website. Uh, and uh, we got our list on there of our American treasures. These are people that we've discussed on the show. What we discussed on the show as an inside joke eventually led to an actual Hall of Fame. And uh, so, these are people that we think have defined what is great about American culture, American treasure type cinema over the past. 100 or so years. And uh, these people are one of three things, or actually, they're all three things. They have been in the business for at least 25 years, or they're 50 years old, or both. Um, they are an American citizen. And the most important one, Brian, is
2: must have an incredible sense of humor about themselves. Yes, that's the most very important that's
1: part. It's the, the key. yeah It's, make it's the maker part with every yeah. American treasure along yeah. the line. Um, And we should say uh, this American Treasure segment is brought to you by Levi's, the official denim partner of American (laughs) Treasures, who they provide the denim for all of our denim vests that we ship out to every uh, American Hmm. Treasure embroidered denim vest, I should say.
2: Yeah. American flag lining, American yeah. flag lining, and uh, American yeah. American uh, eagle on the back mm-hmm. uh, embroidered. <laughs> with, uh, yeah. If you're new to the show, you need to go to our website mattabombmoviespodcast and click on the American Treasures uh, link and see all of the illustrious human beings who are in the club already and uh, who we've inducted. Who, who came in, in, in to get their episodes. headshot
1: taken? It was yeah, really fun yeah. experience yeah. to take all those headshots too. Right. So,
2: and we and we okay. all, we like to joke that the. Each class of American Treasures, will each bring one to the table. We actually have four tonight because we mm-hmm. have a listener. We like to joke that they will be sharing an apartment for the next year. So that's the bit as well. That they lease. Just, No, just we the induction lease them ceremony. Yeah, it's a yeah. small, there's bunk for, beds. Yeah. Right. It's we're like a filming studio. it. We're going to make a great documentary one of these days. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So the way this works is uh, we each have a nominee that we're going to bring. And also the VIPs have a nominee. Uh, they mm-hmm. came together. On the uh, VIP page this week, and they narrowed it down to four, and uh, we brought one of those to the table tonight that we will vote on on behalf of the Mad About Movies VIP Council, and uh, may or may not make that person in American Treasure tonight. Who knows? We will know mm-hmm. within the next few minutes. Um, Are so you guys donning your is, robes? Have you guys donned your I do. council my sat- robes? My satin robe. By okay. the way, satin's the official fabric of the VIP. <laughs> Um, we established that a few (laughs) weeks ago and everyone's loving it in their satin robes. It is. Okay. Um, we each bring one to the table. We we each have to vote. And if two of us vote yes or no, then that person is or isn't an American treasure. So Brian, we will give you the
2: floor. (sighs) So I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring someone to the table. So I'm, I've been looking through the American treasures hall of fame on our Mm. website, Mm. as I mentioned Mm -hmm. previously. And there's, uh, daily, yeah. Just, I always check just to make sure I haven't forgotten somebody. Um, there, there's two things we're super missing in that Hall of Fame, and that's number one, you'll notice there's, there's not a lot of women
0: in the American Treasure Hall of Fame. We're working on that. So, I'm, Part gonna, of that, I'm gonna, by gonna, the way, yeah, you know, a lot of this please is people that have been around for 25 years. We get some grief on this. We actively always look for women.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Unfortunately, there are a lot of women out there we can nominate, but and we are working through them, but like women weren't for a long time, like allowed to be fun in the culture, sadly. (laughs) So it's hard to find nominees. We have so many female nominees that will be eligible in like 10 years. It won't even, Mm -hmm. it will be all women probably, but right now it's hard to find them just because society was awful for a long time. So before you give us a hard time about that, just figure out the thing. We, 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 we're down with it. We'd love for this to be 50, 50. And one day it will be doing the show in 20 years. But but there's other people that have to be into-
1: women in there, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe if we make if
0: we make, I mean, we could talk about this. We can Judy make,
1: Garland, like- American Treasure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like we don't
0: know if she had a sense of humor about herself. Yeah, so, but it's also like maybe we make a thing where women, it's like a 15 year public figure thing or something, so we can we can not look like jerks. But it is hard at 25 years to 25 find. 25 years
1: is tough. Maybe we need to make it t- 20 years or something because there are a lot of, and definitely with women, there are a lot of women that are at the 20 to 22 year mark that I have written down here. And I, and seriously for the past five years, I've moved them up the tier every year for American treasure status. And uh, that would help me a lot. We, we, we could be able to induct a lot more people and ladies. And we, we've just maybe uh, had the VIPs vote or the council vote on that one. uh, Maybe we'll we'll do that going forward, but uh, that's a good preface, Richard. And, uh, and I might bring a, a lady, to the table tonight. Uh we, we'll see. But um
0: I don't want to give anything away. Sorry, I didn't no mean way. to interrupt, buddy.
2: Yeah. You're good. No, so we, we we are short on women and it like you said, we're we're we're, we're cognizant away. of that. We're 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 working on this process. But the other thing that we're we're super low on and at and to the fact the point that we have we have none. Uh there's not a single in our American Treasures Hall of Fame. There are no queens. And so I'm gonna bring to the table whoa, who uh meets this this standard technically the end of last year but but uh, this year as well her first real credits (laughs) if you look at imdb 1992 honey i blew up the kid and more importantly to me 1993 boy meets world she's the queen of us all i love her we all love her this isn't this is a no-brainer i think she's great on every talk show she's an incredible actress she's Married to a great man with like the greatest couple. We are super in love with them to the point that we we root for the Soviets, I think, typically. Because of uh, how great she is and how great uh, her little family is. So Linda Cardellini. I'm yeah. going to bring to the... You <laughs> get the hell. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, the day Linda Cardellini makes it in as American <laughs> Treasure. This is my last day at Mad about movies. I'm going to bring you the ter- to the table American Treasure, Carrie Russell, queen of us all. Oh, that's a good one.
1: That's right. We're on the only cusp of the 25-year mark there. Uh, first that's Mouseketeer, maybe, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So let's go down here. Uh, she is uh, an established actress, like you said. Uh, she has mm-hmm. credibility both comedically and dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, she's America's sweetheart as Felicity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, She's the oh, USSR's hey. sweetheart as Elizabeth. Yeah, she's a she's a Russian spy badass on uh, an FX show, mm-hmm. and I think she stayed pretty relevant to, in terms of TV culture. Oh yeah, uh, and great done, guest, great some, late
2: night guest for sure.
1: She's a great late night guest. I did the, the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I Rise, or one of those Rise of the out, Dawn out of, out of the, the Rise war. of the War. Right. I think mm-hmm. it was the War. No, it was the War for the Dawn of the Rise of the of the. Planet of the Apes, that was what it was. Ben, beneath the Planet of the Apes. Right. Got it. Ben, that's Perfect. true. Um, <laughs> so she's done some big stuff, some little stuff, some good stuff, some bad stuff. Um, does Does she, Brian, let me ask you this, because I am i don't know. I, I'm mm-hmm. totally innocent on this. Does she have a sense of humor about one? So,
2: honestly. She, she does. And I spent, while you guys were recording a Phantom Thread episode, I spent that time watching videos of her on... Fallon and Kimmel and mm-hmm. watch what happened live and and such she's she's always great and I, I thought that was true but I had to ma- I wanted to make sure she's always a blast um and I think she deserves to be if for no other reason just from the sense of humor about oneself standpoint for the way that she handled the felicity haircut fiasco of whatever year that was that was it's always been a fun she's al- I think has always had a great sense of humor about how stupid that. Uh, controversy was regarding her haircut in like 2001 or something and uh, has always been fantastic about that so yes I I think she definitely qualifies on that front.
0: Carrie Russell it's a yes from me Richard sweet Well, the, I'm the vote that doesn't matter, but I I'm a big Carrie fan, and I love the Americans so much. It's my favorite show, and uh, so a big a big yes from me as well. It's unanimous, and uh, yeah, no, and and just speaking for myself, the uh, the Hall of Fame just got a lot a lot better looking.
2: Mm-hmm. She's gonna rock the heck out of that denim vest. Yeah, I'm we, excited. I love this. Love, we'll love to get love love her a ladies cut. Um, <laughs> is
1: there? Why? Answer me this. Why? Why isn't she a bigger deal? Why? Why wasn't she in the Annie Adams? Know. Her like, and Matthew Reese to be, you know, the f- top yeah. five actress around conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, she is I don't know great either, and but- charming and and fun and has been around and everyone seems to like her.
2: Yeah, but same with her husband. Same with Matthew Reese. Put put them in everything. Literally, like there's there's never been anything that is worse for having Carrie Russell or uh, or Matthew Reese in it. I think
0: so. Yes. Yes. Uh, Richard. So we got we got one in. Richard, yeah, what's one. yours? Welcome. Okay, mine is a comedian, a longtime comedian, been around since the 70s, former advertising person. Uh, and so it's hard with comedians. How do you justify a sense of humor about oneself? Because, believe it or not, some um, comedians don't have a sense of humor about themselves. Mm-hmm. Big time. Um, And so, I'm looking at you, Dane Cook. No. um, (laughs) But this is someone that their Twitter feed definitely, I think, solidifies their sense of humor about themselves. And is probably one of the top... What do you guys think? Three Twitter feeds out there. Mm, Um, And they're also... Best friends with American Treasure Jerry Seinfeld, who I believe is in. So it's always good to be best friends with another AT to kind of be sponsored into the club, and they're just a delight. So American Treasure George Wallace, yes, and whatnot.
1: He <laughs> already in? I feel like he was. He's in.
0: not. No, we've never
2: brought him up before.
1: Wow, that's that's a that's a shock. Maybe that's why he hasn't been. Uh, put in yet because it's such an obvious one we all thought he was in um i Mm. definitely thought he was in yeah that's a no-brainer i i i watched his
0: comedians in cars it's the it might be the best twice in the past week it's so (laughs) cool yeah it's like maybe the best one seriously it is it's vegas it's just the painting that he has of him and jerry is so sweet of them walking across the park (laughs) he's just have you seen that one brian
2: i have yeah. I've, I haven't seen many of those, but I've seen that one because I love George Wallace. Yeah, yeah, he's the fantastic. Best.
0: He's the best of all of us. And his Twitter feed, if you don't follow George Wallace on oh, Twitter, you're, if you follow us and not George Wallace, huge mistake on your part in what <laughs> he, he just he gives shout outs to like here. Let me just do a random sampling of like his last five tweets. Hold on. Give me a second. Brian Stahl. Talk about George Wallace
2: yeah it's you've got my vote obviously we we all love uh we all love this guy but yes he's he's got a um he manages to stay relevant but he has like a very i think a very timeless sort of uh comedy style which is great that's a lot of fun um his his presence a lot of comedians i think struggle with how to effectively utilize twitter and like the current joke mechanisms and stuff that are available and instead he is he's leaned into it really hard and and does it incredibly well i think and that that certainly doesn't uh doesn't hurt his cause at all
0: Uh, my my favorite are his random shout outs so shout out to the top five bands in the world rubber (laughs) head wrist wedding and lap (laughs) <laughs> um, shout out to Elon Musk, bored as crap, just launching cars at Pluto and whatnot. Um, he's he still going, man. <laughs> shout yeah, out to the, the top five cheeses in the world. These are just in the last three days, by the way. Shout out to the top five cheeses in the world. Easy, Mac and Say, Cut the and Chuck e. I mean, this is getting be better than George Wallace.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is American treasure. You, know, you can work a fart joke and a Chuck Cheese joke in the same <laughs> the same list that's always good yeah he gets my vote I thought he was in
0: the best an it's icon of
1: sh- comedy an icon of stand
0: up shout um, out to birds the fish of the sky it's cool that he started as a uh, advertising person too he kind of came to stand up late now he's had such a mm-hmm. long great career
1: that is really cool living the dream man still doing it George Wallace great one
0: Peabody award winner as well I believe so. nice so he now has a He's The EGOT, there's the EGOT, but there's also the PA, which is the Peabody and the the Pat, the Peabody and American Treasure. So there's not too many of those. Strong. Strong.
1: He's a Pat winner. Man. Um, Should we go with mine or go with the VIPs? Next. Let's go with mine. Yeah, let's go. Okay. So this is what I was talking about on the uh, 25 years or 50 years old rule. Um, This person just crossed the threshold of 50 years within the last year. And so I've been waiting for this person. We all, I think, have waiting for this person to become eligible to be an American treasurer now that they are. Um, it's been hit or miss, especially over the past few years. But I think we all know that there's some kind of resurgence coming, um, whether it's in his natural state or whether he moves into another genre. We don't know, but what we do know is that America collectively loves this person and has definitely for the past 25 years. I'm going to bring him to the table. American Treasure Will Farrell.
2: Oh, 50 years old and 50 years old. All right. Okay. Look at that. The most, the best Saturday Night Live uh, cast member of all time.
0: Yeah. The greatest sketch comedian ever, probably.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? You think so?
0: Well, well, I don't think so. Him or, yeah, him or Cecily Strong? (laughs) (laughs) Abby Elliott had a
1: run. (laughs)
2: <laughs> she did. <laughs> Gosh, Abby Elliott. Such a weird family dynamic there. Chris Elliott, perpetually underrated. Never utilized correctly. Abby Elliott, super over. Stop putting her in things. So,
0: uh, yes. Abby she, Elliott was kind of like a weird kind of uh, like sign of things to come on SNL. Like she definitely yep. would fit in with. She'd be one of the better yeah. cast members on this cast. Yeah, honestly, she might be the kidding. star. Yeah, it's not great.
2: Yes. Will Farrell, good, good, uh, good pull there. Yes. so he, I, I didn't realize he was 50 yet. So just turned 50. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. In uh, the past
1: summer, I, I, I believe.
2: Sure.
1: he's uh, eligible. Um, like I said, an icon of our generation in, in comedy. He had a, maybe perhaps the best or one of the best runs of movies, uh, for a comedian in the past, uh, from 2000 to 2010. I think he had. Mm. So many number one, so many iconic characters on screen, let alone on TV and the stuff he did online with, with Funny or Die and all that was was groundbreaking as well. Uh, he's certainly fallen off over the, the past couple of years with some of his uh, theatrical stuff, but I believe there is a, a day coming where he might do something dramatic or might do something on Netflix or something that'll maybe turn a lot of people's heads uh, towards um, Will Ferrell more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about him in Old School on the VIP feed this week. Um, I was looking back when I was doing my American Treasure uh, research, my days of it. And, you know, going back, uh, <laughs> so many file scenes. Gosh, It's so weird to to think that your dossier. The, the the movie he came out with after Old School was Elf. Like that was his next yeah. movie. It's very. Yeah. I just feel like there's there was such a gap between Old School and then the uh, the PG version of Will Ferrell. But that mm-hmm. was the next movie. I just it just mm-hmm. was weird in my mind going back and remembering that. So I sure. think it's totally worthy. And uh, he's just he he just brings a smile to my face every time I see him. And no matter what it is, if they're they had him interview Roger Federer like last week on Gosh, the Australian yeah. Open, and just when he went and pinch hit for minor league baseball teams a couple of summers ago and stuff like that, he's just he, he is an American treasure man. I love the guy mm-hmm. so. Always root for him, and I'm very pleased to present him with his vest. Hopefully, depending on mm-hmm. what you guys say,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, he's got my vote. Uh, like you said, it, it, well, incredible comedic run, uh, the best SNL cast member of all time. But to your point, I think you're right, Richard, the best sketch comedian of all time. Always willing to just show up and do stupid Will Ferrell bits, which I really, I think that's a huge part of this whole yeah, uh, sense of, of humor about himself. In that.
0: I don't yeah. think he yeah. you know, even serious actors I think steal from him a bit, like willing to just he was the first person of that kind of generation, you know, like Martin Short used to go on and do songs on Letterman stuff, but he was kind of the first celebrity that would go on talk shows and do like pre-recorded bits that he had right. obviously spent mm-hmm. three days making and stuff. He was like the first mm-hmm. to really popularize that. Now everyone does that. I mean, Paul Rudd does that every time he's on you know, it's 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 a it's kind yeah. of what people expect. Mm-hmm
2: yeah so he's he's great i i want him to find some success and and i i think you could i think it's very safe to say he's lost his his uh comedic fastball but he's a much rangier actor than i think a lot of the the mike myers the adam sandlers the the other actors well, no, that Sandler's we have talked about Sandler's got range, but he doesn't, he chooses not to use it. I, I think Farrell's got, I think Farrell's got a second phase or a third oh, he does. He, perhaps, he'll have a loss of translation kind of thing. Something's coming his way for sure. So no, he, he's an easy, easy nominee, uh, easy, uh, member of, of the American treasure wing for sure. Uh, I just, I hope that the next 10 years are better than, you know, than the last few years have been for him. Yes. Definitely have my vote. Kinto.
1: Cool. Awesome.
0: Well, Mine as well,
1: it's Up on the, it's also. on the, it's in the mail, Will, and uh, we're proud, we're proud. So well, now we come to the time where the VIPs bring their nominee to the table, and we mm-hmm. may or may not induct that person in. I have no idea who it is. No, we'll wind. so blind. So uh, Brian, bring their nominee mm-hmm. on behalf sure. of them to to us.
2: So we opened up the nomination the nominating part of uh of this to the VIPs uh yesterday and just said you start naming them off give us uh give us your nominees tell us who you think should be in we had lots of good choices I picked four that uh either got the most suggestions were suggested multiple times or just seemed appropriate at the moment uh and we so the four nominees that uh that they got to vote on or uh, were Adam West, uh, Steve Buscemi, Kelsey Grammer, and Nora Ephron all very deserving? I think, and very uh, strong—a strong field of candidates there. Ultimately, the winner of this poll and who will be the the listeners' representative in the American Treasures debate this time around uh, is a man who has appeared in—I don't know—hundreds, perhaps, films uh, and and TV shows he has done serious, he's done comedy, he's done uh, all, I mean, he's been all over the place in some very strange roles. He always pops up and and, and typically when he does, he's going to bring a smile to your face. He's in Kent's favorite movie of all time. Uh, and I think he deserves to be in. X-Men The Last Stand, Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he deserves to be in simply because of uh, he's become a meme from 30 Rock, which I appreciate greatly. And uh, hello, fellow kids. Uh, so I'm going to bring to the table via the VIPs, American Treasurer Steve Buscemi.
0: Hey, I just want to say before we get into that, uh, in response to uh, two of those nominees, um, and it's rather recent that we do try to keep it live on the ATs because if you go Unfortunately, ATs that have passed away, even if recently, it kind of opens up a large amount of. Sure. You know, then you start being like American treasure, Thomas Jefferson. I don't know, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, Louisiana Purchase. Um. So, just for future ones, try to keep that in mind. I mean, it's not. It's not like a hard rule. It's that we don't have a hard no deads policy. Uh, but <laughs> makes it. It does open up a a wormhole that, and there yeah, are I a can't. few that so, are. Sorry, dispute. Phil Hartman and John Candy. You're not I in know, it anymore. There's a few. I just see I try to keep it. I try to keep it. We try to keep them on this side of the grass if we can, because it just—it's it, a—it's a—it's a wormhole. And may they may they rest in peace, especially since both of them died rather recently. Before but. we get emails,
1: we know John Candy is a North American treasurer from Canada, so we know he's uh, check out that he's still in. Yeah. You're still eligible here from up
0: north. Yeah, we do have North American
1: treasures, but not, not from South. Know. Uh, so uh, it's Steve Buscemi. The one from Mexico. Um, man, this is tough. Because he is in my favorite movie of all time, Fargo. I like him in almost everything he does. He adds a lot to to uh, Lebowski, even though he has like four lines, I think, or something like that. Um, Lebowski? That's your name, dude. Yeah, he's, out, he's out of his element um, all the time. <laughs> but my big question... I am the walrus. Wooden. E-I. Uh, we can't i i don't know i just don't know where to fall on the sense of humor about oneself i just oh, or do man. you have a story Sandl- you can share with me on, the sandler on movies
0: i mean i would say sandler um he hosted us pays and now... everybody five million dollars to be in his i know but he said a lot i mean those parts crazy eyes and oh God, yeah i'm from, glad i called that guy guy I mean, those are pretty strong
1: from a uh, like, wedding singer like, guy yeah
0: yeah like uh like brian said the uh the 30 rock bit is great um was a lot. He's always kind of willing to pop up in comedic stuff. To me, this mm-hmm. is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm all Same. in. I find I him to be one of the funniest. You know, he always does bits about how ugly he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he's he's a delight. I have a,
1: I feel like I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to be the one to say I don't I don't know if he has sense of humor about oneself, and I and I can't determine that without a doubt. And it's so important, so daggum important that I, I can't definitively say how he is in real life. I, I don't know. If I if I walked up to Steve Buscemi and I was like, oh my gosh, Steve Buscemi, I love Fargo, man. Like, Would he be like, all right, kid, get away from me? Or would he be like, would he welcome me with warm, uh, open arms? I don't know. So I can't definitively say, so therefore, I can't definitively vote yes, so I'm going to have to i going to have to move my vote to, to Brian, who will have, will have the definitive vote on mm. whether he gets in or not. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, This one, to me, is one that, like, I keep a list on my phone of potential American Treasure nominees. And, uh, and I'm very rarely surprised. Like, typically, if somebody sends in a nominee that I don't have on my list, it's for a very good reason. Like, I'm sorry, but Bonnie Hunt is not an American Treasure. And I don't want really to <laughs> talk about it. You know? Like, that's... I feel like we're missing the point there, but uh, this was one that uh, when when he was suggested and then subsequently suggested again and again, I went and looked at my list and I was like, surely Steve Buscemi's on my list somewhere, and he wasn't, and I I felt foolish for that. I felt like I'd really missed out because uh, I think he's a no brainer. I, I I think well, there's some some people you can't tell. I don't. I haven't seen him on talk shows or SNL. I haven't seen him do uh, bits too often just in real life, so he might be the worst. I assume everybody's the worst, again, except for John Krasinski. He seems like the nicest person in the world. But every, I just assume anyone who's famous is actually a terrible person. It's a better way to go through life. But uh, just the per, the public persona, I to your point, Kenley, like, I haven't seen him do just a whole lot of stuff. I think there's some people you can tell their sense of humor about themselves just from the projects that they take on and he's he's one of those he's always been very self-effacing and um has taken these kind of weird bits that I not only does he own and just uh like I don't know that anyone else can play that role in Fargo nor can anyone else effectively play uh, the weird guy in Billy Madison. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a God, rare skill set. <laughs> yeah. It's just and like he he just He's always owned just it.
1: weird guy. Like he's, yeah. it's just funny looking. He's great like, at it. In he, what way? What, he, I don't know. It's and just he, funny
2: looking. Yeah he's yeah. a funny looking guy. He's crazy guys. Uh he was great on Boardwalk Empire which is one of the most boring prestige shows of all time, in my opinion. Yes. But he was—he's fantastic in it. Uh, no, this to me, this was I, I, I feel ashamed that I didn't have him on my list, and it's—it's uh, it's a no-brainer for me as well. So he's—he's he's in. Good grief! Good man. call. Four, Good call. Four
1: ats in one night. How can I that love be? it. it what be a night! The rule and the bylaws <laughs> of, that <laughs> forbids that to happen. Oh, what team. a night! <laughs> it is a night. It's the that's the gonna part, be a after party's gonna be lit. Yeah. Oh
2: gosh! Whew. Oh, it's man. gonna be a fun fun uh, lease for the next uh, few days before the ceremony. That's going to be good. That's a good one. It's a good group and whatnot.
1: Well, let us take a break and then talk about Cloverfield. the last time we talked this subject was a couple of years ago at this point uh when we talked american treasure john goodman and tin cloverfield lane and i think we all had positive thoughts about tin cloverfield lane when it came down to it as a film uh mm-hmm. i i remember thinking fondly of it I, it's not one that i have gone back and watched and I probably really need to do that because I remember thinking at the time and saying in our review at the time, which you can find on the podcast feed if you want to hear the full review that's available, uh, that this is one I want to go back and watch. It had a good rewatchability factor to it, I felt. Um, So I plan on doing that uh, more and more as the years go on. But um, I'm interested in uh, in Cloverfield. I, I... let me preface this by saying, if Cloverfield was this, if Cloverfield was <laughs> a pitch, okay, if this was a pitch to Hollywood and you gave me three films and you said, okay, the first one is going to be this big monster movie where uh, a giant monster attacks New York City and it's going to be shot found footage style and and uh, like an old monster movie. I'd be like, cool, and uh, you, you show me that plot synopsis. Okay, this is the first movie. Okay, the second movie is going to be small scale and it's going to be a monster movie, but, uh, in the complete opposite scale of doing the, uh, the New York thing. So it's going to be on a farmhouse and it's going to be in a a basement and it's going to be about, uh, people not being able to escape and, and claustrophobia and all that's going to come into play. Okay. Sign me up. Sounds great. Love it. Love it. Um, also, um, we're going to do a prequel that's going to be set in space and it's going to be an alien style and it's going to explain how, Maybe all of this came to fruition, but all these movies are gonna be intertwined, and they're gonna have uh, experimental viral marketing campaigns that uh really push the boundaries on what science fiction means in the 21st century and what we can do with social media and promotion and uh and how a studio system really doesn't apply to this kind of franchise and we're we're doing all this and it it's a it's at the same time it's experimental but also a, a throwback to uh, the B-movies of the past that we grew up and loved uh, and all that. You show me that in a pitch, that's the pitch. Sign me up, you know, that that's great. Um, but the problem is, is that the execution of that idea and that entire thing just hasn't, hasn't uh, panned out like uh, they had hoped it would. And that's disappointing. Um, I think I'm still in on the idea of Cloverfield. And there's some stuff that I really like about this. I love science fiction that gives us an opportunity to come up here on the podcast and talk for 45 minutes about what this Mm -hmm. means well how Mm -hmm. is this connected to this where is this going to go i don't care uh how great they are if it for me if it leads to that kind of conversation if at least it has that going for it i can uh say well this that's the only reason this movie exists is so we can talk about it not to be a great movie and i can i can understand that And so for that perspective, I love the conversation that this franchise has sparked, and it's sparked Mm -hmm. an even bigger one now with how they've released this movie, and I want to talk about that at length. Um, But I want your general thoughts on the movie, and we'll talk about uh, the strategy here. Um, But um, are you still in, Brian, on Cloverfield, or were you ever or anything
0: like that?
2: It's been an interesting ride I've only seen the first Cloverfield one time, maybe maybe twice. I, I saw it in theaters, and I, I it's possible that I I've rewatched it since, but I, I don't remember doing so. Cloverfield Lane, I really liked, and and I think if we went back and listened to that, I I think you'd you'd hear me say I I hate that that Cloverfield's in the title because I think that gives away too much, and it would have been a much I think that movie just would have been so much more interesting if if you had to debate is John Goodman crazy or is he telling the truth? I think it just would have made it such a better experience. Um, This one's, this one's interesting and, and, and strange. Um, But I, I'll say this. I love, I love this idea a lot. And I like, I'm a big fan of like anthology TV shows. And to me, that's kind of what this is. And it's also, it's like, this movie's not particularly good, and it may be very bad, just kind of depending on your. I, I tend to I'm going to fall somewhere uh, on the. I may end up falling on the like the high side between the three of us, but it's 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 not a it's not a really good movie. I do think it it kind of opens up a world of possibilities, and for that I give it a lot of credit, or maybe I give JJ and Bad Robot a lot of credit for seeing how that could work i i'm I'm fascinated by the the behind the scenes on this and how it's kind of come to fruition not just like you mentioned can't the 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 whole concept of of uh telling us three hours or so before it was going to debut that it was going to debut you know that's a really interesting concept um that i think has paid off pretty well for for netflix um but also just the idea of like I don't think this was developed as a Cloverfield movie. I think it was a. I think right. it was bought in, in uh, like somewhere in production, just bought and branded Cloverfield. And I think they. It it seems to me that they're out there looking for more films to fit that mold. Right. And and I'm fascinated by that. I think it's a. I, I don't know if it's going to end up being good. We may in, t- in five or ten years look back at this and be like, what the heck was was bad robot what was jj doing here because it all these movies suck and it doesn't really it doesn't come together the way we want it to come together but i think it's a fun idea and i think it's a shot worth taking um at some point the movies themselves are gonna have to be better than this is for sure and maybe even I don't know. Tin Field Lane is is a solid film. And, I think the and the, the, the for theatrical some really ones good.
1: have been have been solid,
2: I, and mm-hmm. they have another theatrical one. Believe it or not,
1: slated for this year. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. push out in the fall. If those theatrical ones are B to B plus kind of movies, that they mm-hmm. uh, I think it it can gain can maintain its credibility with the theatrical audience. They might not sure. ever even seek out the Netflix thing or. The ancillary content that they're offering for Cloverfield, but uh, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it it still got a good reputation um, amongst the masses. I I feel like,
2: yeah, it, it's we it's to me it's like it's an it's an incomplete grade just overall because we we have to see how this is going to play out long term and and is this going to be I don't know I haven't had a chance to research so I don't know if the the one that's coming this this fall is the same thing as this where it was a pre existing film that um kind of got bought and branded cloverfield or if it was planned as ai am I'm, I'm interested to find that out. but re- regardless anyway i i'm not sure that we totally understand what all is going into this and what the process for and and yeah. what it's going to look like when it's all said and done because it's it's different it's outside the box it's it's a um it's not a cookie cutter brand of of cinematic universe it's and so it's going to take some time to be able to to see that through, but I I I want to say like I'm I'm ulti- I'm in on the idea and I think it's a really cool concept. Uh, just general thoughts, and then I'll hand off to to RB because I've been talking for it. But they, this movie's not not particularly good, but I don't think it's terrible. I don't I don't mm-hmm. think it's near as bad as um some of the the uh, word on word of mouth, both critically and and just with other viewers and stuff. It's a bad script that and the movie itself kind of reeks of this whole process of uh it really seems like this idea is out there we want to get it done what's the quickest way we can get this oh, started yeah, yeah. all right here here's a film that's 75 percent done yeah. okay cool buy that let's get this finished and and get it out and uh and so I think it's a it's a sloppy it's a really bad script it's a sloppy script um, it's some of the some of the editing it really like even just a things. from more a director who's
1: never directed anything I don't
2: think yeah ever. and and you can kind of see that it, it, there's some student filmness to it it's got a high production value which is really cool so it kind of makes it look and you've got a really good cast so you kind of cover up some of the sins of of the script and of the direction but i I, I don't think it's a good. But I don't. I also don't think it's that bad. And I, I want to. I almost want to. Would in a perfect world, I'd like to withhold my grade for like ten years until we can look at this whole thing from a more yeah. macro sense and see where it went, went to from here because it does really open up a, a big world of possibilities for for where the uh, this franchise, yeah. this kind of anthology franchise, can go. So that's that's me. Um, RB, you got any thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, no, this is a uh, pretty bad movie, which I get the appeal of it. I get how they got a good cast. In fact, I can't believe uh, John Krasinski's not in this because it like <laughs> it's such a good idea and it's kind of disappointing. Uh, Quiet yeah, just feels might really- be, uh, the Quiet Place movie might be a
1: Cloverfield Universe movie or something. I could see <laughs> yeah, maybe
0: turning that around to, to us
1: at the last minute, but go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, no, you're fine. I think, uh, yeah, it's just, it felt really, I was excited for this. I liked this universe. I watched 10 Cloverfield Lane like uh, two months ago, actually, because like Sarah hadn't seen it and we were just kind of wanting a scary movie and uh, we both love John Goodman. And so kind of threw that on and and uh, so I was kind of fresh on it. So this kind of surprised me. I didn't know anything about it. Saw the ad. was like, oh, that's going to be, I'm hyped. And then we started talking about doing an episode for it. Um and then just was like kind of you know I I walk out of movies all the time when they waste my time it's 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 a different thing when you walk out in your own house um, <laughs> and so that was kind of the the urge I was feeling I was like oh, maybe I'm just go to the other room and get some work done for a little bit and come back in you know it's like one of those things so it was um it was it was uh, very disappointing and I I feel like maybe that's weighing my grade down in terms of bad does that make sense like when you're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're disappointed you think it's worse than it was so so it's hard for me to me to grade but it's it it was it was like a bad especially when there's such good anthology out there right now with things like black mirror to compare it to it's like it's kind of a kind of a bummer on that front but we'll get in when we get a little more specific i'll talk about some things but kent what about you what do you think
1: yeah i think over i want to i want to talk about the, the release of it and everything before we get too deep into it just for the general audience to hear but uh I thought it was a derivative movie, for sure. I mean, it, it harkens back to all the uh, the Event Horizons, alien-type mm-hmm, mm-hmm. movies, that, avatars that we've seen over the past 20, 30 years. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like you have to have some kind of new spin on it. Uh, they, they, the only real spin on it that they have is that they're... Uh, so the plot of the movie, for those of you who... Aside from it being involved in Cloverfield and the monsters from, from 2008 is uh so they have this energy crisis on earth and uh they've come together and they've created this uh way for them to create an energy source to renew all the energy on earth and that energy source is a hadron particle card collider essentially uh in space um if this collider works it will create energy for the whole world it'll solve this energy crisis um so Uh, The the space station is up there. Their job, the astronaut's job, is to start this uh, uh, energy collider and and to hopefully renew energy. Uh, But once they do that, um, much to their chagrin, they create this uh, paradox in space-time, the space-time continuum. Uh, The Earth is gone from their sights. And so I guess uh, from then on, all I'll say is weird stuff starts happening on the ship after they— start the experiment and so that's really what happens um to me that sounds like a movie that somebody came up with shot and made and it was terrible and uh the studio tried to salvage it in some way they got a hold of bad robot and said uh we could make this into cloverfield somehow and they did and here we are and uh then they screened it again or, or teased the uh Sees the viral marketing of God Particle, which was the original title of this, uh, probably screened it for audiences, probably still didn't get a good reception <laughs> from theatrical audiences, even with the Cloverfield tie-in. Uh, they worried the heck out of the studio that, oh my God, this is going to ruin Cloverfield forever, um, but we're already super deep into this. We've already shot and edited a movie after this, and this hasn't even come out yet. Um, so what can we do? oh, the most Cloverfield thing ever and do whatever we want with this and just throw it out online. And uh, boom, uh, they they put out a commercial on the Super Bowl and put it on to Netflix. And uh, to me, Brian, what this felt like is, um, you know, on, I don't feel like they do this anymore, but from probably like 08 until like 2012, they used to do viral marketing, online marketing for movies where they would have like a, a lost video diary from a character on like World mm-hmm. War Z or something like that. And you'd go on there, or maybe they did it for Prometheus. They did it with like the Whalen Industries or something like that. Um to me this just felt like a movie version of one of those scenes. Like a lost tape that they would have found in in the Cloverfield universe that explains kind of what happened. It it almost that's almost the only purpose that it serves. It's like we've got to get this bit of exposition out of the way as to how all this went down. Um and they attempted to tell like that a story, prologue. yeah, like a, a prologue, prologue or just a an ancillary piece of content, like a, like almost a a novelization that you would read ancillary or comic book or something, you know, mm-hmm, outside mm-hmm. of the the theatrical stuff. So that that's why, in a sense, this is kind of a stroke of genius for the um, to not disturb what they're doing theatrically, because only the hardcore Cloverfield fans or the people that really attach themselves to the series are going to seek this out and find it and. If they really want to know more, this is this gives you more. But I think probably what frustrated most people in the general audience uh, before we talk about Netflix is the fact that um, they wanted this to explain more about what happened in Cloverfield or, or why mm-hmm. there was a monster in Cloverfield right. right. or what happened in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Why did that all happen? That, that this was going to be the resolution to that. Well, what it ends up being, without going into spoilers, is this just opens up more doors. Uh, This just just opens up the possibility for more Cloverfield in our lives. And uh, so if you're looking at this movie, The Cloverfield Paradox, like, what's the purpose of this movie? Is it to, A, spur conversation? Yes. And B, to open up the possibility of other movies? Yes. I think it's done both of those. Um, I can't say much for it to being a great movie I don't think it is that but I think it accomplishes its goal of pleasing the fans uh po- prodding the fire yeah. a little bit if you will and um you know those B movies that this is kind of paying tribute to weren't good movies I think that's what people kind of forget with these types of movies and they don't all have to be A's they're called B movies for a reason is because mm-hmm. they were so bad that they were shown in addition to regular movies. <laughs> um, so this kind of has to have a campy quality to it. And this does, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there's some fun moments in, in the overfield paradox that are reminiscent of the chestburster scene in alien or those kind of sci-fi moments that I think it accomplishes well. I think where this movie really falls is in the, it's attempt to be emotional and to connect it to any kind of story on earth or anything that's going on there. It falls a little bit flat there, but, um, as a, just a dumb science fiction movie, I think this is a, I thought this was better than bright, even though it's getting panned harder than bright. Oh yeah. Really, big
2: right? time. Is, better than this. Bright, is a way, no
1: question. Way yeah. more Netflix exclusive type of thing. So this opens up the Netflix question before we hit in get into spoilers and, and, uh, and talk about where this is all going. Um, I don't want the phrase dumped on Netflix to ever be a thing because we've mm-hmm. talked about over the past yeah, year, it kills the they, prestige they, they, of the they've brand really built up their, their brand and they've done it in a, in a great way. And, and I don't know how much more you can do this and, and have this stigma of it didn't, wasn't going to work in theater. So let's put it on Netflix for free. I don't know how long it's going to take yeah. for, to catch on. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want that to happen.
0: Yeah, I think I have a couple of thoughts on on a bunch Same. of the stuff you said there. I'll go quick, Brian. Um, yeah, yeah, that you know, I think I think you're right. Is it, not as piecemeal kind of scrape, But I don't think it was kind of produced. I don't I don't see it being produced before the Cloverfield thing. Only because it, the production value is so high. They definitely have some kind of big budget and ideas behind this. But I think you're right. You know, the to treat it like a prologue or or things like that to to future movies or or contextual kind of uh piece accompaniment to things a B movie accompaniment to maybe a more of an A movie in the same universe is smart but I I wouldn't take out an ad in the Super Bowl I would maybe like l- release it the same week say hey we've got this big movie coming out in theater by the way here's a happy surprise the Monday before it comes out watch the 2 hour prologue on Netflix or Mm. Hey, you just saw the Cloverfield movie and dug it. If you want to know more as to how this power crisis happened, check out this prologue on Netflix. I feel like that, your concept is right there, Kent, but it's just like, it was such a ballsy, like, check it out now, I think I think, it's, ahead of time. I think
1: it's awesome to pull out an ad on the biggest stage possible. And it is awesome, that except no one that the knew knew movie sucks. Oh, oh yeah, know, but, but, then, but the pitch worked. No, the pitch did work.
0: was, go watch this
1: now, and everyone's like, what the crap? Daniel Bruhl, no, totally, and David Oyelowo, and all this, like,
0: but they're yeah. not selling tickets. I right. mean, you're the counter to your argument, if they were selling tickets, yeah, it worked. But they're trying to keep, the, you know, Netflix is trying to keep a prestige brand going. So it, if a bunch of eyes go look on it, that's great. But if it sucks, then that hurts them. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, it, without the, you know, it's fine to have a B movie prologue. And it's fine to do a Super Bowl ad, but those two things aren't going to go together. So that's where the people are like, that's why it's 18% of Rotten Tomatoes when it's probably like a 50% movie because everyone's like, wait, what? No, no you know, it's, it, just gonna, it's, it's just going to be- anger everyone.
1: Yeah, it's also because they knew that this had a, a theatrical release date that got canceled and then they got put mm-hmm. on the Netflix. If this had been a hush-hush and they had never <sighs> even announced that this was happening in a very ghost story type way uh, and then it just came out, maybe it's a different thing, but I, there was talk of this movie for years before it ever came out. Yeah, and when it yeah. did, it didn't work and people hate it because of that. Like I said, <laughs> yeah, this could have been good <laughs> if they had no connection to Cloverfield and they just threw it out there and it didn't have mm-hmm. Cloverfield in the title, just like we said with think Cloverfield lane. And then the, the reveal at the end makes it that much more impactful. And, and uh, mm. only, like I said, the pitch on paper works, it's just like every step along the way, they they could have done it a better way. I just, it's just so, man, they could, yeah they could have done this whole thing better.
2: It's it's interesting. I, I I feel like there's some I feel like some some arguments on both sides of this whole. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's again, it's kind of hard to wrap our wrap my mind around because it is so different from anything else that we've we've seen before. I like the concept of. Um, we're gonna put this ad out on the Super Bowl and just let you know, hey, this movie's gonna be available in a couple hours. I think that's a really, it's a fun idea. You're right, Richard. Like you want the movie to be better. Uh, I do, but I, I do think, and this is based partly on the Bright experience as well as, as this part of their deal. I think is trying to get it. Well, it's, it's twofold to me. It's you're, you're trying to get attention. You're trying to get Clicks and uh, hashtags and discussion, go. You know what I mean? And to yeah, have that, I think they, that, that's I think such they an quantify for them, though. it. It is, but I think they quantify that as part of their branding. That's part of how you how they keep people subscribed. If not adding new subscribe, I don't, I don't know how many people signed up for Netflix to watch the Cloverfield Paradox. It's probably like six total, but um if you keep pumping this stuff out i i think it's some eventually it has a cumulative effect if you keep putting out uh straight to netflix movies even ones that have high production value like this and bright and big budgets and all these and stars that we recognize and all these sorts of things if you keep putting those out and they keep stinking uh which you know bright's awful and this is uh, not not good, and then you you know you, I'm sure there are others that I'm I'm forgetting, but but I think this is kind of this is the direction that they're they're headed. If you keep putting them out and they keep stinking, the cumulative effect of that is I do not want to watch those movies because like you I, whichever one of you said it, this has been dumped on Netflix and that's a bad that's very bad for the brand. It's got to it's going to become a, like a five dollar bin quality. Yeah 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 it's that's like, that's I mean, exactly right. six Star
0: that's exactly 2000s. right. But it's like. We have the hot new releases here on stars. You want to watch this stars original movie in 2004 and everyone's like, no, I'm cool. You know, I haven't seen you do anything, but
2: I think, I think, and maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I've gone back and forth on this all day, just trying to figure out how to, how to uh, think it through. But, um, I think part of the strategy is, yeah, look, bright's not very good. Cloverfield's not very good. Um, that movie mute, the Duncan Jones, did, looks pretty terrible. um, and there's another one that they did recently regardless these movies aren't particularly good or some of them are very bad but they're get, I think they're getting the the buzz that they're looking for and then the hope is Duncan Jones talked a lot about this in uh recently and I can't remember who he was interviewed with but um these movies we talk all the time about how mid-budget movies don't get made anymore in Hollywood I think Netflix there it's a to me it seems like they're, it's a long game to say we're going to be in the mid-budget movie business and try to find way we're going we want to create a space where um maybe not the Steven Spielbergs of the world but like Scorsese's making a movie with Netflix right now and uh we want to be a place where uh real filmmakers want to come and work and so like to me I guess what I'm saying is the long game is we're putting out some of these movies they're not very good but they're getting the buzz um, we 're just printing money over here at netflix uh and and eventually, if we can do this if we can do this four five six, seven, ten times, eventually we are a name that people who that filmmakers want to come and work with because you can 't get this movie made and for again for this one it's you can 't get this movie made at a real studio because this movie's not very good, but mute. For instance, even that—that's a movie. Duncan Jones has got some a little bit of pull. He's got some credits to his name. He has made good movies, good sci-fi movies. He can't get that movie made at a studio. Maybe he comes to Netflix and does it. And then the next time it's somebody else. And then the next time it's somebody else. And you just keep adding these up. So that I think what they're trying to do is hope that by the time we catch on to the, but and by we I mean like the general audience catches on that like, hey, pretty much every movie that Netflix puts out is not very good. That by that point they will start making good movies. Does that make sense? Like it's it's a it's a it's a I don't know. It's like a combination of two
0: two different
2: strategies that I think they're trying. It's like a balancing act that they're trying to pull off.
0: I think. Yeah, totally. It's the Trader Joe's model, right? Mm. But they're trying to have all their own kind of house brands that are fluctuating in quality. But you're so the convenience of it is as such that the overall Trader Joe's experience is positive. I I get that. Yeah. But I I just I, I. I I, th- I think, you know, I, if they were making truly like mid-budget style kind of adult or even not even adult oriented, you know, thrillers and stuff and sci-fi and things like that. But it's like, to me, they're making kind of knockoff blockbusters, mm. um, which is, t- you know, when we say, you know, when we talk about a mid-budget movie, it's like, I want them to make good $30 million movies. I don't want them to make $60 million movies for $30 million. Sure. You know no, what I, I mean? Yeah. And so that seems like with the brights of the world, the path they're going down and they're like kind of lost in the, hey, it was a, these kind of movies don't get made anymore. And it's like, okay, that's not what we were talking about. You know, we're, <laughs> we're talking about more kind of original st- type uh, stuff that doesn't have to be $90 million. Like it's budgeted mm-hmm. to be thirty. No, million. I agree with you for um, sure. So – so that's that worries me a little, and and I do think it hurts their brand a little bit, um. You know, at a, and you're right. The quantity plays there, and it, it, you know, you don't you don't ever get rid of Netflix because, like, look, Chris Rock special came out eight minutes ago. Because you're just so afraid that something cool is going to randomly drop, and that and that you're just on your toes. You're never going to not get Netflix, and that seems to be their model. And if a lot of them are duds, a lot of them are duds. But there might be something for you, like you know, a futile and stupid gesture is not. A, a thing a lot of people care about but it's like that kept I watched that on Netflix because I, I I'm a comedy nerd and that was like made for me and if you know maybe this is someone's version of that mm-hmm. um and so like I get the play I just think if you're gonna do that there are things to be brassy about um qu- quality wise to take out Super Bowl ads I just don't think and, and so I like the play I think it's definitely a cool kind of ballsy move but at the same time, I don't think this was the content from which to make that play, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Um, So, apparently this was a movie before being called, or involved with Cloverfield, called Guard Particle, in which, this is the uh, synopsis, in which, during a war against Russia, a group of American astronauts find themselves at stake when they come upon the fact that Earth has disappeared and that the Russian ship is trying to make contact with them. So, uh, mm. that some kind of twist here, they obviously kept that part part of the, uh, part of the plot. Um, so maybe they twisted it there. Uh, that's, that's why it's so curious to me. Um, because they wanted to keep this a series. They wanted to do this from the beginning, right? JJ Abrams had this big speech about, uh, the intro and the, this is the tease and then we're going to explain it in this whole what Cloverfield universe was going to be back when they originally launched it. They had this big vision with bad robot and Steven Spielberg was involved in all this and what it was going to be. And then, uh, they made Cloverfield and it did pretty well. I feel like, uh, it, it got some good feedback mm-hmm. and it launched JJ Abrams into this, into what he's doing now, which is star Wars. So that's great. Um, but, um, if they had all these plans, why didn't they just make more movies? I don't understand the strategy of let's find a script and tack Cloverfield on top of it. Why don't they just hire a writer and make a script and and do it the organic way of explaining and laying the groundwork for this franchise instead of finding sci-fi movies that don't work and changing two scenes and put a monster in it and then it's Cloverfield. That seems to be the strategy. And, you know, the buzz is that this isn't working for them uh, right now with this movie and that this might've, hurt them uh, long-term with the, the long-term strategy so i just don't know why they don't they don't go that way of of trying to actually make it something rather than sa- trying to salvage something or, or create a, a franchise from something that doesn't exist by the way richard you said earlier uh it's funny john krasinski actually was going to be in this movie but dropped out to do that jack ryan wow. series for amazon <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow that's a no joke <laughs> uh true fact uh funny yep see um, that so that fun. that's what what's confusing about me. It's like Cloverfield itself is a cool concept. It has potential for a small group, the sci-fi crowd or this the Comic Con crowd, to attach themselves to that. It has the the qualities that we look for. Why don't they put more effort into it instead of doing it this way? I mean, I understand Damien Chazelle wrote Tim Cloverfield Lane, but that was supposed to be something completely separate. Again, um. They've got good actors involved in all these it seems that's not the problem they like the it's got the clout I just don't know
2: why they don't try more does that does, does yeah you it, what I'm again to me it's hard to quantify that now I just feel like we have to look at that in a big picture from a kind of a macro sense somewhere down the line. This is the one that is the the real litmus test because Tinkoverfield Lane costs like $15 million to make. So that's, that's a no brainer to me. Like if, if you're looking for it's basically a bottle episode, yeah, that, yeah, that's, but that's they didn't that didn't plan that from the outset. That's my point ah, is that they, right. They
1: didn't they right. have that in their plans to begin with. They just kind of found that movie and
2: right. I know. I know. That's what yeah. I'm saying is, is, is if you are going this process if you're just going to or i think what i think the end goal is to have maybe a little bit of both leading to yeah we produce eight <laughs> like small science fiction movies a year that are all sort of related to cloverfield and this is to me this is like this is how we're getting this started, but you you don't want to spend forty five million. That's the that's the real issue. Is to me is less. Why are you going out here buying these these little movies instead of just making your own? I kind of like that idea. Actually, I like the like. Hey, we found some really cool spec scripts that we think by just pumping like a little bit of money into, we can make them happen, and then we can connect them to this overarching universe. I love that concept. I think that's a really fun way. And and you get it. That's a great opportunity. And I think this is a way that this is something that J.J. Abrams thinks about. Is this is a great opportunity to um, finance new filmmakers and give them an opportunity to make their movie? The problem again is is that this costs forty five million dollars to make. It's not it's not a fifteen million dollar or twenty million dollar or something like that. It's and I and I don't know. I don't know if it's set out to be a $45 million movie or if it's set out to be a $20 million movie that got out of hand. I, I, I have no clue. Um, I don't know all the backstory in that, but I don't mind the the idea of, hey, five times a year... You guys are going to get it. There's going to be a really interesting small little uh, sci-fi movie that maybe on Netflix. Maybe it gets a short theatrical release. Maybe it didn't Cloverfield Lane made a lot of money and it did pretty well and was in theaters for a long time. Maybe it's going to be that. Um, but by the way, it's going to be connected in some loose term to, uh, to Cloverfield. And it, it leads me to believe, and again, this may be giving uh bad robot, just way too much credit. Like I have already extended perhaps too, too much credit to Netflix, but I I, w- I want to believe at least that the reason that they went ahead and and dropped the cash on this one and uh and and put it into effect the way that they did is because um JJ or whoever is is in charge of Cloverfield Cinematic Universe sees this as yeah this movie's not that great but the plot this is how we can open up a world That's what I mean in it in that which goal yeah and I think it yeah I think you're right. I think it gets that point across really well because you can because that now you go back and you look at at ten Cloverfield Lane and you say that might not even be the same earth as uh as Cloverfield was, and this movie yeah it i don't think it does take place in the same dimension as uh as Cloverfield does because i there's no and again like just maybe i'm retrofitting that but there's no mention of uh worldwide energy crisis or anything like that in the original Cloverfield spoilers. so you can you can say is that a we're we're in spoilers for uh sure. paradox okay. right now yeah so i mean the, the, my point is like you can you can kind of even already you can look at the last two Cloverfield movies in the light of having seen this Cloverfield movie and say okay so we're already we've already explored potentially we've already explored three different dimensions where else can this go well Mm -hmm. this one that's coming out later this year is uh, is set in World War Two, and the the Nazis are getting help from some alien power, or something like that. Okay, that's crazy, and that's is that on our Earth or a different Earth or a different you know? I it opens up a, a whole world of possibilities, and that that's my take. That uh, that's my take as to why this is the movie we have to have. If you're if we're Bad Robot, this one works best. It's already in production. Let's just let's pony up the cash. Let's pump this thing out, and then. We just we can go from here and do kind of whatever we want if you to me, if you look at it from that sense it's an it's a pretty big success or at least leaves the possibility of a big success open um for you know five, ten, fifteen years to come with all these movies.
1: I think it accomplishes the goal of opening up the door for future movies, like I alluded mm-hmm. to earlier um It was a shock to me to learn or i don't know if it's a twist or it's more of a gradual reveal in this movie about uh how this all occurs so man the most obvious reshooty exposition scene where they have mark mm-hmm. stambler or uh uh is, that guy's supposed to be john goodman's brother uh, yeah it, it, talking about the accelerator that this will rip open space time and this will make monsters come out of the sea. He says something like like that specific in there. That was kind of cringy. Maybe you could have done it in a more or less obvious way than that to, to explain how Cloverfield comes about. But nevertheless, that the event happens and that the the event of uh the Cloverfield ship, they even call it that in the movie. Originally it's called something else. What was it called? The Shadow or something like that. Mm, yeah in, uh, in this. Um the, the actual weapon is called or the the satellite's called something else. The ship they made they made sure to make sure you knew it was called Cloverfield in uh in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um so that all happens and so I guess the blowing up of the accelerator, it warps the space-time continuum and it warps the dimension uh to a alternate timeline in which the Cloverfield monster exists. Uh and I love this about this movie is that the fact that it put this into the zeitgeist of Cloverfield that um, the Cloverfield monster exists on Earth now like that's the only thing it changed in our continuum of space is that oh by the way there's giant sea monsters now that's that's the only difference in this world <laughs> um, and each Earth discovers the monster at, the, at a different time each Earth has a different amount of them but they exist and I love that and I'm excited to see um the possibility of other movies being just about different Earths discovering their discovery of the monster coming to life. You know, that whole reveal of, oh my mm. gosh, there are monsters here, in that shocking moment. Um, I love the possibility of that, and what this universe really lends itself to, which a lot don't um, in movies, that uh, we should give this more credit for, is they can almost cross over with any genre with this with mm-hmm. this cinematic they can do science fiction they can do uh, a thriller they can do space horror they can do big blockbuster like they did with the first cloverfield they can really experiment with the kinds of movies they make they're not necessarily pigeonholed into it if you're star wars you've got to make star wars movies um they can really do like you said bring in smaller directors and do uh maybe another netflix maybe do a netflix series do a big big movie in theaters and then do a prequel series to that who who knows um but i love the possibility that it each world in in cloverfield it has its own rules and that's the only rule there is is that there are no rules so i like that but also i would have liked the perspective of this is all on one earth and each of these movies is explaining a little bit more to the story about how all this happened um mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't go down that path and I can't blame them for that because of what they're doing here, but um, I could have seen that, that working really well. It wouldn't have been much more difficult, um, and you would have crossed over continuity a lot and had a lot more risk there, but that could have been a cool way to do this too, which is what everyone thought they were doing, that this is all on mm-hmm, one
2: Earth. Mm-hmm, this is one right.
1: incident that happened, and we need to know how. Um, in fact, there are perhaps infinite incidents that happened uh, all because sure. of this one thing. And uh, they say in 10 Cloverfield Lane... Um, about a bright red flash, and they he talks about the, they thought it was uh, the apocalypse or something. That's actually the space, uh, the, the this spaceship blowing up in every dimension, and they see a bright red, red flash that's actually ripping the space, the fabric of time as we know it. That's what that was. So, if in future movies you see a big red flash, that that, that that'll be referencing uh, in the mm-hmm. future. So, um like i said a lot of conversation that this has sparred and i think it accomplishes that goal but as a movie not great characters (laughs) are are lame i really don't care about any of them chris o'dowd shows up in this uh uh, david yellow is fine um i don't know what daniel brule has been doing since rush like just trying to be an actor since that um and gorious bastards but uh, i wish the best for him (laughs) I love <laughs> he's that a guy.
2: civil war he's in civil war yeah he is he has, but strong i guess there. if yeah. this
1: alienist show does well maybe that'll yeah. be a the second wind but yeah. i think he's really talented just needs to find the right uh outlet um so yeah i I'm not, I'm, i don't think this is a 10 percent bad movie i think there's no no science science fiction movies isn't great but there are worse sci-fi movies i've seen in the past year for sure oh absolutely um, yeah and uh it, it it feeds the feeds the fire man it 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 pokes the lion, and uh, it's just gonna get the conversation keep keep going I, I hope they still release this next Cloverfield movie, but to me this just it just reeks of uh okay, we made this movie it's a cloverfield movie we we've established that we're gonna do that with it at least um let's test it with audiences. Oh, they hate it, oh crap, well, <laughs> let's sell it for Netflix to Netflix for literally uh twenty seven million dollars and one cent. And mm-hmm. call it make a profit and leave and call it a day and be uh happy at the end of the night when we go to bed and lay our head down on our pillow and get it and be done with it and that's it uh, that that's to me what this seems like um and uh if it tarnishes the brand of netflix that's a long term thing but um I'm glad I got to watch this for free. I'll say that
2: Very yeah cool. totally there's <laughs> something to that for sure free something I pay to that for, for sure netflix, but uh, yeah
1: i love I love that uh, we always that's the illusion that they've oh we get it for free. <laughs> no, we were paying you directly <laughs> every month. You didn't have to leave your house. There's that's something
2: true. about something great about that. That's
1: true. Um, I'm gonna grade this one out, guys. Unless y'all have anything else to say about Cloverfield or anything else, I'm excited to see no. where they go with this. Um, the rest of these movies could suck, and then I'll be a... the thing about Cloverfield. The first movie is that it came and went, and no one ever really cared about a sequel anyway. <laughs> so the fact that they're just doing these is just because they can, and so that's kind of funny too. So I'm gonna grade this out. I guess I'm gonna go B (laughs) minus. Yeah, B minus. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's that's about right where I'm at. Like I, I thought about. I mean, I've only seen three movies from this year so far. uh, Because you know January and February suck. But uh, it's it's better than Maze Runner. I gave Maze Runner a C plus. I think. I mean, it's barely better than Maze Runner. It's not like you know. This is Citizen Kane or something, but, uh, so if, yeah, for me, it's like, it's a, it's a low B minus high B plus, which to me is like right on the verge of like, of being, yeah, you should, you should watch that, you know? Yeah. Check it out. It's, it's, I think it's fine. And I'm, but I'm much, much, much more interested in the, uh, in the wider sense of where, of what's happening in this weird world, uh, from here on out. So that's me. RB, how about you? He's going to go to an
1: F-minus-minus-minus, minus, patented Kent Garrison version of that. Don't know where he went. Sorry, I didn't realize I was on mute. I'm going to huh? go...
0: I would go C-minus for that. Okay. Still passing grade. Nice. Barely, just barely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, Cloverfield Paradox is out now. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you thought. Okay, let's hit a week recommend
2: weekly recommends go ahead brian if you're ready yeah i gonna recommend a show that uh, i loved one of my i don't know the most important shows of my youth and uh has recently popped up on hulu we've already mentioned it in our american treasure segment so it feels like a fitting Recommend for tonight, um, but my on Hulu have been watching this with my son and introducing him to
0: the world of Boy Meets World. So God, um, it's uh, not uh, Maitland Ward Snapchat.
2: <laughs> yeah, jeez, you can't check that out. Uh, we'll probably stop watching when we get to season three. But no, uh, Boy Meets World's on on Hulu now. I got there a few months ago with some some mild fanfare, and uh, we've we've talked about Boy Meets World plenty of times on the show in passing um and uh it remains one of the the all-time great uh preteen teenage shows and sure. uh, is still to me is a great it's still it's still it still works as a uh, i don't know as, a, as an entertainment choice even at, at my age maybe that's because i have a kid that i'm introducing it to as well as the nostalgia of it but uh it's to me it's still it's kind of amazing how well done the show is especially in its early years uh, given that it's now 25 years old basically so not basically literally it's 25 years old so I'm I'm ancient guys but I love Boy Meets World and, and it's been a lot of fun rewatching it and uh, so if you've, if you've got the Hulu then you should check that out and then relive your childhood or or live a new childhood if you're not old like me
1: is that the only streaming service that's on?
2: I believe it it's is. Not Hulu. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So is. Hulu. I have the DVDs, obviously, but, uh, of course it's nice to be able to just stream one episode to the next on the old Hulu. So thanks. Thanks Hulu. I nice. appreciate that. Nice. Coop's, Coop's loving it too. So it's been, it's been fun to, to watch that with him. Cool. I'm going to recommend a movie
1: that I rewatched, uh, recently. It's really good. I, we've talked about it on the show, maybe in passing, haven't done an episode on it, but, uh, Probably should, um, at some point, uh, given the uh, circumstances. I'm gonna recommend uh, from Mike Judge, Idiocracy. Nice, um, love this one. Always revisit Mike Judge's movies as much as I can. I love Office Space and I love Idiocracy. Probably watch those once a year each, and uh, they hold up really good. Uh, it's just Terry Crews, future American treasure Terry Crews is in it. Uh, Dak Shepherd, funny. My Rudolph funny in here Clarence and uh, electrolytes yeah um and luke wilson is 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 good stuff so um it's about basically america and the world gets dumber over the course of time over 500 years and uh luke it's a wilson,
2: documentary yeah
1: yes. exactly well luke wilson is an astronaut that was frozen uh uh cryogenically frozen and wakes up in 500 years and much to his uh Delight, he, or not Delight, uh, much his surprise, he is the smartest person on Earth in 500 years. And uh, that's the movie. But it's, it's oddly accurate to see uh, where we are now. With, uh, For example, Terry Crews plays a professional wrestler who's the president. Um, and here we are with a reality TV star as the president and a wrestler threatening to kick him out of office in The Rock. So that's uh, pretty much where we are in reality. It's even yep. weirder than mm-hmm. Idiocracy. Mm-hmm. An Idiocracy was made in 2006. Uh, missed the opportunity for a throwback there, but um, weird to see 10 years later how odd it is that things have come the way they are. Um Idiocracy's so funny. Holds mm-hmm. up and uh, good stuff. I'll recommend that. Okay, Richard, what you recommend?
0: Yeah, I'm going to recommend a book that's on Audible. It's going to be a movie later this year uh, with uh, double American treasure, Sean Penn and Mel Gibson. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Right? Right, no, but that, but they are both in it. Um, April Fool's American Treasure, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but they are both in this: uh, the professor and the madman. Um, it's a uh, it's a book about a uh, well a professor and a madman and and their contributions to the Oxford English Dictionary and uh, and and words and phrases that we have. It's a really kind of compelling history. Um, my, micro history, which are kind of fun. So the kind of it kind of reads like a novel, but it's it's a true story. Um, and uh, the if the movie's coming out this year, and I think potentially could get some award buzz as long as you know those two behave themselves. And uh, and I'm I'm I, if you want to read the book before that, I I would highly recommend it. It's a it's a really it's been out for a long time. Um, the book has I'd say ten fifteen years maybe, but uh, it's a really really kind of cool book. And so check it out.
1: Awesome stuff. Nice. Can always count on you
0: okay this has been awesome
1: please listener let us know your thoughts on the movie of the week the american treasures tonight and uh joaquin phoenix as joker and everything in between that we've discussed we love keeping the conversation going uh online if you want to do that reach out to us on twitter at mad about movies hit that like on facebook and shoot us an email as well but brian where can we find you online
2: you can find me on the Twitter at bgil12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com dot com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you?
0: You can find me on all kinds of social media at Richard Barden or the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Kent, where can I find you?
1: Find me on the internet, on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at Kent Garrison. And uh, thank you for listening. Please become a VIP for more fun times, and uh, we're headed right there the VIP club for the after party with the VIPs and the new American treasure inductees. So it's going to be a good time. We'll See you over there. And uh, we'll see you next time next week at the cinema.
0: Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged.